Hands, if you could turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Samuel, chapter 8, 8th chapter of 1 Samuel. Sure, turning up that portion of Scripture, uh, as you know, we have a short members' meeting after the, uh, the study and prayer tonight. So um, we aim to start the members' meeting about 25 past half past 8. So during the singing of the uh, second hymn, uh, if you're not a member of the church, you can slip out during, during the singing of that hymn. It'll be about 25 past half past 8. So if you have First Samuel chapter 8 in front of you, we're going to read uh, the first five verses. This is the word of God. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of his second Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and preferred justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. And we'll end our reading there at verse 5. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, thank you for the grace that finds us here this evening. And Heavenly Father, we ask that you would grant that the words uh, of that hymn that we were just singing might be the cry from our heart this evening. That you would help us to re- uh, raise that Ebenezer and keep our eyes centered upon you, the God who uh, keeps, your, keeps his hand upon us. Lord, we acknowledge that uh, even on our best days we are unprofitable servants and so we thank you uh, that we are indeed loved by you we thank you that uh, you sent your son to redeem us and deliver us and uh, we praise you for the uh, holy ghost that you've shed abroad in our hearts and so lord as we turn to the bible we ask that as we often pray that beyond the voice of a mere man we may hear uh, you, the living God, speaking to us. And as always, Lord, we do remember those unable to be with us this evening, uh, many legitimately detained uh, through health and uh, work commitments. We commit them into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, friends, in Romans uh, chapter 12, Paul reminds his, uh, or warns his readers of the danger of being swallowed up by the surrounding culture. And one paraphrase of a verse that we're very familiar with from Romans 12, verse 2. Uh, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One uh, paraphrase renders that verse, it's from the the Living Bible, and often when I hear people talk about the Living Bible and say in the back of my head, you know, when did the last one ever die? But um, this is a paraphrase from verse 2, and I think it's very helpful. Uh, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but be a new 
and different person with a fresh newness in all you do and think. Now, Paul writes that because he understood the pressure in first century Rome for believers to accommodate themselves to the lifestyle and the values of the surrounding pagan culture. And we, of course, face the same challenges in 21st century Britain. Therefore, it shouldn't come as a surprise to us that when we go back to 11th century BC Israel, the same warning is actually being sounded, in this case by the prophet and the judge Samuel. We often say, uh, commentators often point out, Samuel is the uh, last of the judges, the first of the prophets. Uh, whether you agree with that or not, that's for you to sort of mull over, talk over, over a cup of tea or coffee. But obviously, um, you know, in the, the coming sort of week or two, as we uh, hover around for Samuel 8, the hope you know that becomes clearer uh, in relation to 11th century BC Israel being similar to uh, you know our own society and the pressures that uh, you. you find yourself under at times to conform to uh, the surrounding culture. Now, as you can gather, uh, we have indeed jumped several, approximately several decades uh, further on since Hannah's song in uh, chapter 2. You know, the last time we were with Samuel, he was a little baby and his mum, Hannah, was uh, singing. Well, now he's an old man. And if you're familiar with chapter 7, Samuel is is not that old in chapter 7. He's probably middle-aged at that point. Uh, But we have in chapter 7 probably Samuel uh, exercising leadership at its best. Uh, Samuel in uh, chapter 7 had preached to the people He had preached repentance, and they had repented. Samuel had been praying for the people and with the people. And the Philistines had been vanquished. Uh, If you look back at verse uh, 10 of chapter 7, the second part of verse 10, it tells us how the Lord vanquished the Philistines. It says, the Lord thundered with a loud voice upon the Philistines and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. Then a a stone of remembrance was set up, this uh, memorial stone, this Ebenezer. And uh, we're just referencing it there in that hymn we were singing. And, uh, you know, it's one of the, the beauty of the old hymns that all of them are based on Scripture and you can go back and, Uh, Practically every line you can trace back to a a quote uh, from the Bible. Uh, Sadly not the case as we know with so much that is churned out today. You know when it was at um, Edge Hill last Thursday. uh, It's not that they go over the top with any of the the worship stuff. They had a a couple of opening hymns as they called it. And then myself and then a couple to close. But the first one they opened with was... 
something along the lines of we we uh, raise our eyes we raise our eyes we raise our eyes we raise our eyes to you and then there was something uh, of a chorus or a, yeah about you know glory and then we raise our eyes we raise our eyes we raise our eyes to you uh, no not, no mention of Jesus no mention of God no mention of sin no mention of redemption it's just you're thinking you know is this what's being churned out what people are singing thinking this is wholesome biblical stuff you know where you know you know, had to say to them you know, what about raising your Ebenezer they probably would have looked and said what are you talking about and so uh, they raised this stone this this Ebenezer uh, that would have been you know there for you know a memorial um, to, to God's goodness towards them uh, would have been a uh, type of memorial in much the same way you know people would have gathered around it to remember God's goodness in much the same way that around six months from now people will be standing around memorials in Normandy remembering the 80th, 80th anniversary of those landings and they'll remember those offence in order to to say or they should be saying you know that what happened then should never happen again. You know, the, these battles took place that really matter. These memorials matter to, rem- uh, to remember us, to remind us of that, and the implications that flow from it. And I think a similar thing here with you know, raising the Ebenezer, this, uh, this stone. You know, the, the blessings that flowed from it and uh, marking God's goodness to them and basically chapter 7 ends on a high note with a, a job well done and uh, you may be familiar that at the beginning of, uh, of the book uh, chapter 7 the, the ark was carried off to Kirth Jerim and uh, verse 2 isn't it of uh, chapter 7 Talks about the uh, the ark being there for twenty years. Twenty years is a relatively long time. Twenty years before Samuel came forward, and then you've got this long period of silence in Samuel's life. You know, what was Samuel doing? You know, during that twenty years, that long period of silence. Well, he was walking. On the path of steady obedience. Friends, it's interesting that Samuel's life is actually marked by long periods of silence. And then there's moments where he comes to the fore. Now, here's the thought Samuel could never have come to the fore in such usefulness were it not for the fact that the long periods of silence were marked by steady faithfulness. You see, friends, what most of us do in the humdrum of life, you know, in our private, personal, everyday lives, in our routine activities, 
that mark our days. Th those are the things that make us, you know, when we, when we are just steady, making that steady plod the glory. And, uh, you know, that was true of Samuel. You know, he kept going. Uh, and so when we come to chapter 8, the story has significantly advanced because Samuel is no longer in his middle years. Samuel is old. And that's not the, the only change. The wind of change is also blowing. At least that's what the elders of Israel have determined. You'll see that in verses 4 and 5. All the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the other nations. And what you discover in those two verses are a number of factors which uh, contribute to this desire for a king. And the first of these, as you see, is that Samuel is old. Well, it happens, doesn't it? You know, people, people get old. Leaders who led in their, led in their early, earlier years and were faithful in their middle years, like Samuel eventually, they get old. And the real challenge, of course, in becoming old is that age brings with it not only advantages but also disadvantages. Advantage, it brings with it the benefit of experience, which it at least counts for something. But it also brings with it the danger that we become old and cold and settled in our ways. So the advantages and you know, disadvantages of old age, old age may alarm us. And some of you younger ones might think, you know, it's a lifetime away, you blink and you're, and you're there. And it can bring humiliating experiences. Some of its limitations can take away our natural dignity. Worse still is the daunting possibility of dementia, you know, even to the point where we don't even remember who we are, let alone who family members are. But while, yes, there may be a bad old age when we feel weighed down by, by the years, there is also, you know, a good old age. How, how you, you view that and how you approach that. And uh, approaching it with, an, with having the aspiration to continue to serve God. Because every, every period of life has its appointed benefits and uh, excellence where you're, you're used by God. And um, it shouldn't always be viewed negatively. But another factor that contributed to this desire for a king was that Samuel's succession plan was a bit of a disaster. Although the priesthood was heredity, 
the appointing of judges was not. So a priest like Eli would be followed by his sons as he was. But a judge like Samuel was appointed individually. However, Samuel, you will notice there in verse 1, made his sons judges over Israel. And as I say, it was a bad plan. They uh, worked further south, down in Beersheba, uh, which was a, a significant distance away from where Samuel was in Ramah. And, and they were, if you like, a long way from uh, his ability to observe them. And in many ways, they were a long way from his ability to influence them. And that's not to, you know, safeguard or justify Samuel's integrity. It's just to acknowledge the fact that they were about 50 miles away from where uh, Samuel was. And you might think, well, 50 miles is not long. You know what? I think, isn't it? Stoke would probably be about 50 miles from here. And you could be there in an hour. But if you were to walk, you were to walk it, or to go on a donkey, it would be quite a, quite a long way. And so these, these sons, um, appointed by Samuel, they were greedy. They were on the take. They were interested in money. They were susceptible to bribes. And they were involved in corruption. And so you can see why. You know, there was this build-up among the elders and the populace for a time for change. You know, this can't go on the way it's gone on with us being fleeced by these uh, two rascals. Uh, and Samuel, Samuel, you're old. Your succession plan is bad. And in fact, your succession plan has failed. Because you will notice it says that his sons did not walk in his ways. Now Samuel would have been walking in God's ways. Evidently his sons would have been brought up knowing about the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Knowing about Samuel's birth and how he was prayed for and the fire that he's that their grandmother made. And Samuel is walking in the ways of the Lord. Would have been, the sons would have seen that. And yet they were not walking in the ways of the Lord. Samuel in this, uh, in this transition. You know, he, had a, he had a measure of responsibility in this. Because he had no right appointing his sons. As judges, uh, uh, Eli, you know, a different kettle of fish altogether. Yeah, his two sons were scallywags too, um, but they were next in line. Uh, so you can't really say, well, that was Eli's fault. It wasn't. Whereas Samuel, you know, he, he uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to justify what he was doing. You know, that Samuel would have been walking in God's ways and those, uh, as I say, would have been clear to the two boys 
you know, Samuel administered justice, whereas Joel and uh, Abijah perverted justice. And as a result, you know, the peace and the security, the prosperity that the folks in uh, Israel were expecting and wanting, um, it was going nowhere. And the, the future, a secure future wasn't guaranteed, humanly speaking, under these two, two sons of Samuel. And so these factors led to the request from the elders in verses 4 and 5. We want a king like the other nations. And so that's just a bit of an introduction to the chapter. And it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, a little background and context on what follows will obviously be helpful. Not only helpful, but it's going to be important so because we've got a business meeting, I uh, thought rather than carry on with that, we'll pause for now, having just introduced the chapter. And we'll come back yet next week and pick up some of the context around this. But certainly we want to be praying you know, for unsafe family members, don't we? Because many of us can stand in Samuel's shoes in that, you know, sons and daughters have been brought up uh, knowing about the God we serve and uh, they've walked away. Must have broke Samuel's heart. Uh, We've got little ones in our own congregation that have been born recently or associated with the congregation. You know, the likes of Miriam Isra and we James that's been brought along with Ruth Ann. Pray for these kids. You know, that they would grow up and not walk away from their parents or their mum's faith you know as a result of you know just wanting more of the world rather than wanting God so we'll pray for unsafe family members and those who uh, have grown up in the church their mums and dads themselves today uh, and yet just all the things that were taught in Sunday school youth groups under the ministry of John Beatty, Falhall, or whatever, um, that all of this won't be lost on them, that God would use it, what was preached and taught back then, to bring it back to their, their remembrance and convict them of, of their sin and need of salvation.